0: inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello and thank you for joining. What is the last time you felt anxious before speaking in public? this things sometimes happen sometimes doesn't it can kick in the in the moment that you expect the least so we are going to discuss about that and society in public speaking and for that we have a very special guest who has very interesting stories to share so let me introduce you our today's guest is kaisa osola she's a teacher in speech communication speech art and radio journalism at Kallio Upper Secondary School of Performing Arts in Helsinki, Finland. In addition to working in Kallio, she freelances as public speaking coach. Her latest joy on the coaching side has been training altogether 60 journalists of helsinki Sanomat, the biggest newspaper in Finland, to give a live speech on the stages of the Finnish National Theatre. The concept... HF Mustalatico consists of previously unpublished journalistic stories told to a live audience. All the six different sets of Mustalatico have been sold out in a few hours. Hello, Kaiser.
1: Hello, Oscar. How are you?
0: Very good. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Tell me a bit more how everything started for you as a public speaking coach?
1: Well, when I was 15 and 16, I was really in- interested in public speaking and I had a really good teacher in the Finnish language and she encouraged me to apply to the Kallio school in which I now teach and which is one of the most sought-after schools in Finland because it has a special task in performing arts. So in speech communication, there was it was not... a An addition to the Finnish studies, but they had 10 different courses in public speaking and speech art. So I got in. I was really excited. I studied all the possible courses of speech communication. Uh, Then I went to university. I studied to be a journalist. By the side, I studied as much as journalism and social sciences. I studied speech communication and speech communication teaching. Uh, However, I was Then when I made my master's thesis, became a journalist, wrote to different magazines and I worked in the national radio. And then all of a sudden, my old teacher from the Kallio school, she asked me to come to replace her as she was traveling. So then I went back to the crime seat. So back to my old school and fell so much in love in the teaching side and in a way fell to my home of speech communication that I studied another um, how do you say, another diploma to be a qualified teacher. So then I started working at the Kallio school, giving altogether 10 different courses per year in speech communication. And then having been there now for 10 years, I think that 10 years is a maximum uh, to be in one place. Even if we're not in the school, we cooperate widely with different, different partners Uh, For example, my students, they host the whole big stage of youth literature in the book fair. So they kind of speak publicly there all the time. But I wanted to um, work with other people as well as the students. And then it happened. Of course, I gave gigs. I was in some universities and in some companies giving some uh, speech communication courses. But it was like two or three, uh, three days. And then... A friend of mine from Helsingin Sanomat, the biggest newspaper in Finland, said that they are doing this quite crazy thing. Uh, the idea became from United States, from California, there was this event called Pop-Up Magazine, which meant that journalists uh, stood on a stage in front of thousand people and told uh, unpublished stories. And a friend of mine, an editor in Helsingin Sanomat, fell in love with the concept She wanted to bring it here and put their writing people, so professional storytellers, but people who write, people who don't speak, 400 or thousands of people. And then she asked me to come to help. So now we've created together this concept. So in a way, I think I've been in the right place at the right time with right passion and a lot of working ethics. So that's my story, quite a long one. (laughs) <laughs> but now I have my other foot uh, with the young, great, from sixteen to twenty-year-old students, and then my other foot with different kind of adults speaking on big stages, delivering excellent speeches.
0: Oh yeah, that sounds pretty, pretty interesting, and yeah, especially the uh, this putting the, the the untold stories, as you say, stories that were only written, uh, bringing into the. To the spoken word, to the to the stage. So, and imagine, ma, it's all in Finnish, right, Tejas? The...
1: Yeah, it's it's in Finnish. And what I think is best in that concept uh, is actually it's what I believe in most in public speaking uh, is that anyone can give an excellent public speaking, mm-hmm. no matter if you like public speaking, no matter if you you're comfortable on stage, uh, but. Anyone, even if you feel that you're really dying and your heart is bumping mm-hmm. and you don't like this, you can deliver a speech that has an excellent start that will make everybody's mouth open wide, that has a structure that's easy to follow, that has examples that really go to your skeleton, that has pauses and variety of tone, an excellent ending. You can do that even if you feel that you're dying. And I think that the Mustalatic concept... The point of Depart was that we want to have 10 people on the stage telling excellently delivered speeches, not 10 robots doing something on a similar way. And I think that that's why all the nights have been sold out in a few hours and the feedback has really been cherishing. And the point of the feedback is that thank you for these excellent speeches, thank you for giving us 10 people who are completely different because they are speaking as themselves, not playing to be some kind of a speaker or a robot or something. So the variety of speakers giving excellent speeches, I think that's what public speaking should be more about, not these kind of ready-made robots. And I I now, as I see that the... Uh, It's sold out night by night. Now the tickets of next autumn are going to be sold out. And the main feedback is that we love to see human beings delivering good speeches. And this is not to advertise uh, the concept in itself. So it's sold out already. I don't have to advertise. But my thing is that it's really kind of speaking is about the subject and the listener and that the speaker works And you can work and you can make your listener be fascinated about your subject, even if you're very anxious. And actually, I have to say that the only speakers that I have been worried about on the big stage of the National Theatre have been speakers who say that, yeah, I'm comfortable uh, speaking live. I, yeah, I'm not anxious. It's really good for me. And then they just go there, but nobody went there because I took them back. And then I said that you have to work more. But then kind of, Often people think that if you are not anxious or if you just feel comfortable speaking public, then you're good. But, well, as you have discussed in many of your podcast series, it's not enough to feel comfortable. It's all about working and working and preparing. And as kind of citing our theme of today, anxiety of speaking and fear of public speaking, what I often see that the people who are a bit anxious or even a lot anxious, they are ready to work and they deliver excellent stuff and the people who are not they think that it's enough so kind of it's even good
0: yeah so one of your the, the reason of your the success of this project that you just uh, mentioned is Musta Lattico. yeah black box it's, if you want to translate yeah black yeah. box <laughs> Yeah, translated from Finnish to English black box is the one of the first thing you said that everybody can deliver a uh, very good speech, no matter no matter what you did before in, in, in short. And the other thing is about um, the anxiety that almost everybody has uh, and, and everybody managed to to control it. So you already mentioned the, the term, but could you define it? What is anxiety of speaking in this context?
1: Yeah, it's a subjective uh, experience of a human being uh that has to do with public speaking and it can be the, um, the subjective experience it's both mental and physical mm-hmm. so the anxiety it might be starting even a week or two weeks before mm-hmm. you start stressing the speech and then maybe you don't sleep the night before and all these mental thoughts in your head saying that i cannot do it i shouldn't do it i don't know how to do this and so so you in a way you prepare to fail because you think that this is not gonna work. And then also, and it's all subjective. Different people have different thoughts. So it's not, in a way, astrophysics. So there are not kind of, there are some basic facts that go for every people. And then you just have to find your way. But then also there's the physical anxiety, which I can uh, explain more a bit later. But it's also physical. The fact that if, when you think that it's important and you want to succeed, And then your body autonomously, you cannot really kind of tell it what to do, if your body interprets that this is going to be challenging, then the body, a nice little body, tries to help you and the heart starts bumping because the body thinks you need more blood, you have to get away from this and the adrenaline starts to flow. So that's pretty much the anxiety and it's all subjective, the way we feel it in our body before and by the time of the presentation and after, etc. So it's it's mental and physical things, always subjective, always uh, it's a bit changing from a situation to another, but it's nothing, it's not a mystery. It's not a master, it's not something that just comes and takes control of yourself. If you understand how it works, and if you understand how it works, then you can make it not your master, but your well, not the slave, <laughs> but a worker mm-hmm. anyway, co-worker.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's subjective. You said, no, it needs both uh, mental and and physical. So, um, what could you tell us? How you have been working with the with your speakers to to manage? these two domains no? that the, the are interconnected, of course, uh, the physical and the mental. So what is your... If you can start with one example of one person you have worked with and how you dealt with some... What are you the best practices for dealing with the anxiety?
1: Yeah. Uh, I could take as example, for example, one... Well, I will not take one person, but I can take, for example... Uh, a set of 10 people, 10 journalists that are preparing mm-hmm. to perform live for 600, 700 people. I think the first thing when we meet in the first session is to break the taboo. Because at least in Finland, we don't talk about anxiety or speaking. And there's also the fact that when you're speaking, what you feel subjectively yourself, just a little, little, little of what you feel is shown to outside so as we don't discuss it and as people don't see how anxious other people are everybody just think that it's only me and then also in the first place we try to change the way we speak about the anxiety so it's it's because we often speak about it as a synonym for failure and it just comes from some place and then it just messes it all Mm -hmm. up so we just put it in pieces
0: yeah it's a different thing
1: yeah, we put it in pieces, and then what you can do uh, firsthand, and I think that the first important thing is that you shift your mindset from the speaker center thing, that I'm a performer, everybody has to love me, or then they will crucify me, or whatever, that you shift your mindset to your subject, and then to your listeners. And I will always say that you're to the journalists that are going on stage that you're not the narcissus, you're not the one that people should love. You're neither the crucified that people are gonna and then you're gonna die in the end and everybody's gonna hate you. But you're the Cupido, so the kind of the angel of the ancient Roman stories that are yeah. making people fall in love with each other. So your job, <laughs> yeah, exactly, is to make your listener and your subject meet. And there are techniques for that, as I said, the start and structure, etc. So first, the mindset that it's not about people uh, criticizing you. They want to learn something. And also that relieves people. But then we go to the step number one, because when you want to make the anxiety of speaking not your master, but your co-worker, it's first about accepting it and understanding it, because you can never take it away. But if you understand it and accept it, it's going to be a lot easier. So we start to analyze the situation that is coming up. Uh, Analyze a bit that what kind of elements will be on play on that stage. And there are numerous studies around the world about the elements that create the anxiety of speaking. For example, everybody looking at you. That's going to make you anxious. You want to... uh, uh, succeed. That's going to make you anxious. You don't want to fail. That's going to make you an- anxious. You don't know if you're going to fail or not. It's going to. It's important, and you're probably very self-critical because these people are professional storytellers. But they are professional storytellers in writing. Of course, they want to be good in speaking. But as they don't know how to do it, it's really I want to succeed. I don't know if I'm going to succeed. I don't know what to do with what I think p- people going to think about me. So. Uh, all these kind of elements there are a lot of other elements too if I skip a bit out uh, of the journalist for example uh, your personality some people are more comfortable on stage than other people so you can in a way you can count and assess how much adrenaline my body will kind of give me and if it's if everybody's watching or if it's something that you're going to get a grade from if you think about university that's Mm going to bring more adrenaline and if you think back for example if you nobody ever told you how to speak that's going to bring you more adrenaline if you failed numerous times you think that I'm not going to I don't know how to do it and if you never actually got to do it before that's going to bring adrenaline and all these elements are preparing your body in a way to fight so you can pretty much count how much adrenaline is coming. And some of these mental elements, you can also reality check a bit. Because if you think that the audience is going to hate me, so that's another thing that will bring more adrenaline. But for example, for these journalists, once they start to realize that the audience is really on their side, they want to learn what they have to say. So that's one mental step of kind of, in a way, taking in less adrenaline. So the first step is really to analyze the situation, how much adrenaline is about to come and accept the facts that, okay, this is going to be something very big and there's going to be a lot of adrenaline.
0: How do you analyze the adrenaline?
1: Uh, I don't have any kind of (laughs) uh, these running meters, but in a way, in this simple simple manner that it's going to be a lot because if all these elements being in front of people, doing something for the first time, wanted to make it well, little experience, thinking bad about the audience, being very self-critical, you can assess that maybe it's going to be more than ever because it's something really big. And also in school with my students, if if it's a speech that they're going to get a grade from and if everybody's looking... Or if the, it's at a class that nobody's appreciating you, you can count that okay, it's gonna be a lot. So in a way, this I think that this preparation is crucial for not in a way when you're speaking just to get oh, overwhelmed. Oh God, now I'm getting this adrenaline, so it's bad. So kind of prepare yourself when you get closer to the situation, you feel that okay, it's coming. And this, my heart is pumping because normally around the world, the human heart is bumping twice or three times more than normally when you speak publicly. It's just it's natural and it's normal. So in a way so that it doesn't come as a surprise, but you really prepare yourself on all these elements and then and you're not kind of accusing for yourself yourself for getting the anxiety and starting to fight it. And then, of course, with the journalist, we rehearse, 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 rehearse. That's been a great topic in the other shows of your podcast as well. We really study how to make a good public speech and they rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. So they get to get confident with the thing. There are a lot of rehearsals. They know that this is really a good start. They know that this is a good structure. And they speak and speak and speak and speak so that they, when they go to the stage, they know that I've done this 100 times before. Well, not maybe 100, but I've done this 10 times before and I know it. And so then the step number three, when it's really getting close to the performance itself, or no matter if it's... A, presentation at school or at university etc so once you have analyzed how much adrenaline is going to come up then before your presentation maybe even the same day you need to start taking care of your body and if the heart normally bumps two or three times then normally there's way too much energy in your body so what you have to do is to take it out for example, I bicycled here because I knew that it's going to be excited, so I took it a bit out. And with the journalist on the backstage, we just run around the place. And there are in the backstage of the National Theatre, they have all these kind of gymnastic things. So all the professional, I have many professional actors as my friends who, for example, throw up before the the premieres and they know that this is going to happen because this is important for me so we really take the adrenaline out a lot and a lot and a lot because there's way too much and the thing is to keep your body in movement so that you're in a way control of the adrenaline and it's not in control of yourself and then of course breathing because if you breathe very slowly first out because you if you're panicking and inhale so that's a disaster Mm. and then you need paperbacks and all that stuff but if you really breathe calmly in a good way it's really a physical message to your heart that all the other body is in a calm rhythm hey heart what you're doing you're in the wrong rhythm so calm down so it's just a it's a physical fact that it may help and then as I said that it's subjects, subges, uh, subjective, uh, you need to find your way, some people uh, they want to listen to some calming music or they want to listen to some blast music or someone wants to play piano or somebody feels good if somebody uh, of another people's touch For example, if somebody who's not going to give the presentation in the university, and then you can ask that person, hey, I'm going to have a presentation, I'm the king today, so you do what I tell you to do. So can you uh, run with me around the block, if it's possible, for one thing, to get rid of the adrenaline, and then I order uh, a neck massage for 10 minutes. And all these kind of things, just to take control of the adrenaline, get rid of really the extra one. And then also take a hand on that. And of course, all the things that if if you can go to the place where you give your performance, then you go there and you stand on the spot and you train on the spot. That so that you go there for to give that real speech. That it's not the first time that you're there. As I tell to my students that if the professor lets you in the room, for example, at a pause before your presentation, please ask the professor to let you in so that you can just be in the place and you can talk in the place and in a way take it in control so all these things it's it's easy to say and but in a way that's the only way really understanding where it comes from analyzing a bit how much it's going to be Maybe checking a bit your mental stage are some of the things that I'm putting into this anxiety are they true? Is everybody hating me in the audience well no, they are not, so it's gonna be a bit less and then you rehearse and then just before you start taking care of your body and it really it might take time, but that's the way to take handle it so
0: you said that uh, focus on your audience first then you you accept that the fact that there's adrenaline that you are Issues. Mm-hmm. They talk about rehearsing, and then you go to the body, no? To to prepare your body, there are different different ways. For me, it works the um, it works pretty well the breathing. So yeah, breathing c- helps me to calm down. And it's interesting what you say that some people have to go running just before the the, the performance or something like. Mm-hmm. I I never saw doing that, but. It's interesting that for other people it works. No, I, I guess it's just for some people. Some some people it's not going to work.
1: Yeah, and that's the subjective parts. That mm-hmm. by yeah. rehearsing you find your ways. But for example, Chris Anderson, uh, the head of the TED Talks now at the moment, in his book he writes wise things about anxiety of speaking. Uh, and he, for example, said that he never knew that he could make like three times more push-up that he ever can do on the gym before his public speak. So he was about mm. to give a TED speak and he was in the backstage and he was just starting to do his push-ups and he was like, okay, 10, 20, yeah, 30. Guys, come on, look at me, 50. wait, well, it's going quite nice. So there's a lot of adrenaline. And wow, so <laughs> it's a way to get rid of it. And yeah, and also one thing, Still, one thing about the body, because the uh, the voice lips the little elements in your throat, and they are not something that you can tell how they work. But actually, really, the how your voice is done is completely in coordination of the muscles of your neck and your uh, kind of and your upper body. So there's this. One very famous theater man who said that the well-toned human flesh makes the best sound. And I interpreted it so that if you're really, if for example, if even if you walk to the place where you're about to give your performance and if you like singing, it's really about opening your voice. And keeping your posture well, because and if you start to kind of squeeze up and your body is really tense and then your neck is all away and then you wonder why am I losing my voice? Well, because you're really violating your neck. So, all the physical things that you can do, really to keep yourself up, it also helps and it makes your voice work.
0: Yeah, that's true. The the voice is the reflection of. And I would say almost hold your body how you all, all your body is, is at that moment. And could you now give give us some some examples that you know very well, either from your experience or from you have read, or as you mentioned this book uh, about success stories, great stories about um, how people have overcome this anxiety of public speaking.
1: Yeah in the set of mostality I've seen seen people who only thought that their thing was to write then and they thought that they're never going to speak publicly but once we did the process uh, that I just mentioned they got kind of familiar with the idea that they might be good speakers for 700 people as they got the idea that it's about my subject and kind of not about myself and so we trained and trained and trained and there was this one man and he really he was extremely anxious but he had an excellent story a story that nobody had ever heard it was about Mannerheim so the biggest president and the head of the army of this country a people that kind of everybody thinks that they know everybody about but this young journalist had went to his home and found out some things and he was really super anxious of speaking but then and he said that why am i gonna do this and the answer was that nobody's gonna learn these things it's not about you it's about the things that you have to tell so then he said okay yes i can do it and then he understood that of course i'm a professional storyteller in writing and then i have the story here and and then we'll just put it in a bit more simple form because it's spoken. So he found the confidence in the subject. And once he got the tools to build a good public speak, if he hadn't got the confidence of how to do it, he would not have done it. And then we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And he was reading. I think that a good speaker can have notes. I think that Mm -hmm. you can have notes, but it's different to tell your whole story to the notes. Than to check from the notes what's next and then tell it to people. And we started with him only reading the notes and with a tone that he would never speak kind of normally when he spoke. And then we just trained for hours and we even took a training session uh, in a home of one of the producers. And we sat around the table and he did it again and again and again. And I was like, you would not say it like that on the table. Please say as you would say it. And then we found all the tones there and he noted them down. And then we came to the conclusion that he could not um, speak the whole time looking at the audience. But we found there are some places, some important places when he really opened his mm. face and opened his smile. And then even if those moments were few, they were so key that everybody, uh, because the subject was so interesting, so everybody... Kind of forgive forgave him.
0: Kaiser, could you share with us now what is your favorite quotation?
1: My favorite quotation, actually by accident, is goes with the theme of today, and it's a quote from Leonard Cohen's song, and it uh-huh. goes like, "There's a crack in everything, and that's where the light gets in." Mm-hmm. And if I think about in relation to our topic, it means that a little mistakes make us more interesting Mm -hmm. and I was also I'm a perfectionist and then one coach of mine said that okay perfectionism nice that makes you work well but then in the end do you really love the people that you love or appreciate the people who you appreciate because they are so perfect I was like no I appreciate because they are so human so yeah look at yourself so I think that if there's a crack in a person or a life that's the only thing that makes a thing alive
0: well, mm-hmm. oh, very very nice quote and very connected to, to what you just been explaining. And so thanks it's nice for that. Could you now recommend one, one book that has been uh, inspiring influential for you?
1: Uh, yeah, I will recommend a book that I have not yet read, uh, but I what really it's the next one that I'm going to read. It's Tim Pollard book about big ideas and how the human brain functions when listening. Uh, to things and I I heard the Tim Pollard uh, interview that you did on this podcast and to all the listeners this is not a paid advertise. <laughs> Uh Oscar hasn't paid me to advertise his podcast but it was really a good show and he had so interesting ideas that I'm gonna read it next I hope it's good but I think it's good as I heard him speaking for 46 minutes and he was interesting so I guess if he's interesting also his book is very interesting
0: yeah definitely that book is also in my queue for, I have to read that book, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, could you leave us with um, something practical, uh, last bit of advice that you recommend doing um, daily or weekly, a routine to shine?
1: A routine to shine, I think it's just taking care of your body so that you know your body And it also helps when you get anxious, you know how your body works. And if it's in good condition, it doesn't have to be in any fitness beginning or whatever triathlon condition, but in a condition that you feel good in and so that you know your body, you know how it reacts. For somebody, it might be running, for somebody, it might be yoga or swimming or just walking to your workplace, but to kind of getting to know your body. And then one good routine, which really also learns me a lot of the world is that I promised myself that always when I see something that's good and somebody does something well I promise to say it out loud and thank that person because at least in Finland we really kind of don't say too much positive things you know aloud so I try to spot positive things say them or say them aloud and then also copy so if somebody does something very well I'm gonna copy it next day (laughs) and be as good and also greet that person Mm -hmm. I think people deserve to know when they do something well, and at least in Finland, they rarely get to know when they do something well. We just think that, oh, that was good, and we never say anything. But that also keeps your eyes, your own eyes open when you spot good things to copy and to thank for.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that happens Uh, almost anywhere in the world. Sometimes we are very short or a bit mean to to, uh, acknowledge what Good thing that others do, so it's a, it's a great reminder, mm-hmm. and of course keep the body moving, as you said. Yeah, body <laughs> moving. yeah <laughs> so, Well, thanks a lot, Kaïsa, for this very interesting interview about all all your stories especially the talking about this this project you have had had uh, Mustalatico, no, the telling stories never told and how these people who were not used to speaking in public have yeah. found their way being very effective and, and successful in ultimately being of service no? uh, uh, engaging people inspiring people thanks a lot could you finally tell us how listeners can um, follow you learn more about you
1: uh, yeah, my day. I'm really twenty-four-seven working with people, so I don't have any blog. I don't even have a Twitter uh, at the moment. But if you want to find me, I'm on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And I hope that there will someday be more time to really communicate better on the internet. But now I focus on communicating people uh, live.
0: Mm-hmm. So you have to search for
1: Kaisa Osola. K A I S A O L O S L A.
0: Excellent. From Helsinki, Finland. Excellent. Thank you very much again. Kaisa, it was a pleasure talking with you. I wish you all the best.
1: Best for you as well. Thanks for your podcast shows.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time...